Welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world. Welcome back for another ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. It's your co-host, Jenny Liebel, here with my favorite podcast co-host, Dan, the man, Duran. How are you, Dan? I'm great, Jenny. I'm gonna. I'm really struggling to get used to that label versus Scott because the whole time I've known you, of course. But I am great. A little Farmer Dan update, Jenny. Remember a month or two ago, I was up to my eyeballs in cherries, yeah. right? Out here on my little mini farm. Now I'm up to my eyeballs in yellow squash, zucchini, tomatoes, strawberries, and 40 trees producing peaches. So it's a busy time out here. Oh my, that sounds like so much work. It is so much work. I found like two weeds in my backyard the other day and I sent my husband to go pick them because it was too much work for me. <laughs> you don't want to be here then. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'm glad that your farm is very literally fruitful. Huh? See what I did there? <laughs> I know, but I'm super excited about our guest today. I feel like we say that all the time, but I, I this, this person is uh, a really knowledgeable resource. I'm super excited to hear what Clifton has to say, but the pain-free performance specialist certification was something that I learned about from the founder of it um, when we had him on the podcast. And it's something that I've been trying to go to. And there it's it's an in-person class, you guys. So in-person is back. Woohoo. Um, but I've been trying so hard to get it when it comes to Phoenix. They've come through twice and I've missed it both times. I've been traveling. I'm so annoyed, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it eventually. Um, but we have with us Clifton Harsky. How are you, Clifton? I'm doing well. I just got my workout in, so I'm feeling energized. Nice. I love it. Um, Clifton, you are the COO of the Pain-Free Performance Specialist Certification, and you've been in the fitness industry since 2003. So uh, that's 20 years if I'm doing math right. <laughs> that's a it's, long time. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm pushing my age now. Yes, I know, right? Hey, you're just a baby. You're just a baby. Age is just a number. I guess I, I heard you can still dunk though too, right? I can still dunk. I'm, I'm, I thought last year was going to be my last year and I just retested and was like, well, look at this. Let's get one more calendar marked down. <laughs> I love it. So you're out there running circles around all the young bucks out there on the court. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, can you tell our listeners a little bit about how you got started in the fitness industry? So... It, because I wanted to dunk on people. That's, I mean, literally it. I was a, you know, a relatively short basketball player, but played the three because I jumped okay. And I just needed more mass to be able to bang uh, because I wasn't the point guard. It wasn't the one. I barely played the two. Mostly I played the three and four. And I was like, how am I going to do this? Let's lift weights. Let's figure out how to make my body do more things so I can be a playground legend. And, uh, that's that's what pulled me in and then the after that it was just like feeling a little creepy in gyms because you're watching people work out because you're interested in actually working out but that could be misconstrued it's a good thing like <laughs> phones weren't around back then and uh and, and so the interest in how i could perform better on the basketball court is what drew me in and continues to draw me in is like what can we help people do um selfishly for myself and i think a pretty normal 
um, progress for trainers is selfishly, they're interested in themselves. They find out that as I help people, it's really rewarding. And then you keep doing it. Nice. Did you start off in like working in gyms? Did you have a private studio? How'd you, how'd you get into it? I started out at Trader Joe's and what I, (laughs) so I was going to school, um, and playing collegiate basketball after my first year decided I didn't want to play at the Juco anymore. So I got a job, summer job at Trader Joe's. I got hired at 24 hour fitness as well. I went through their personal training certification stuff while I was also working at Trader Joe's and decided that I would just do some personal training at the gym with people that were like, why is this six foot goofy, short, short wearing striped sock wearing look like the cable guy, dude, able to dunk. Uh, can you train me? And so I would train them. And, uh, that's, that's how I was the only real training I did for about three years, uh, was very minimal at the park, at the basketball gym stuff. And then must've been about 2006. I started my own little boot camp where I was in San Diego, weather's perfect all year round. So I could always do something at the beach or at the beach parks. And, you know, just had five sessions a week for three years, four years or so, because I was full-time at Trader Joe's. Uh, They just kept giving me raises and letting (laughs) me take a month of vacation and go to Argentina and things like that. So I stuck around. Um, I I used to, whenever I would travel and teach, I would tell people I got the best start in fitness that you could get and that I wasn't 100% in fitness. And what I mean there is I was a client of CrossFit, a client of Pilates, of yoga, of different personal training type of things, kettlebells, uh, school, I would just dabble with all these different methodologies to see how they, my test of how this is effective always came back to how did I feel in the basketball court? And that was a personal test. That's not appropriate for everybody, of course, but I think it's a pretty interesting way to measure how is this affecting me? And so I got to try all these things out and then found myself finally being offered a like, Hey, you could be the number one at this Trader Joe's. And I said, cool. I quit. I'm going to go to <laughs> fitness full time. And that's when I made that transition, uh, 2010 to full-time fitness gathered up many, many different letters to put after my name, lots of experiences and, um, was really fortunate to get going in traveling and teaching workshops. And the first company I did that for was a company called MoveNat, which means move natural. I don't know if you ever heard mm-hmm. of MoveNat. I have. So I was, I think I was our first domestic master instructor in the year before I came on, um, Erwan, the guy that led it, he did, he did maybe eight to 10 events. And then I came in and from uh, March of 2011 till May of 2012, I ran 88 workshops Wow! in 14 months. And being a single 28 year old was, it, it gave me the ability to just get on a plane Friday arrive Friday afternoon, teach all day Saturday, get on a plane, go to a different city, teach all day Sunday, get on a plane, go work two shifts at Trader Joe's to keep my insurance while I was doing it. And then uh, did that for all that time. And finally, finally got a little burned out with a couple injuries and started my own company in San Diego, a company called Fitwall, which I didn't start it. I got hired to be the exercise person. And fell into a role over years of owner. We grew it to seven locations across four states, including there in Phoenix, actually. Uh, we had one in Scottsdale. Nice. And, That's right. And, <laughs> and uh, 
And then along the way, I just got picked up by multiple companies to teach their certifications. And here I am, 450 or so certifications and workshops later and running this PPSC organization. Nice. Holy moly. You know what? I, I would dig working for Trader Joe's for the discount because they have the <laughs> best food. Now, you got to pony up. What, what kind of cut did you get? What kind of discount? 10%. Oh, and, really? But I was an OG. I was there, you know, I started in 2001. And up until maybe 2008, it was still a smaller company. Um, it really ballooned mm -hmm. after then. They, they got more corporate, like as they should. It happens when you get bigger. But, you know, the dirty secret about most grocery stores is so much food is tossed and yeah. thrown away. It's like, it's pretty pathetic. And there's a good amount that's donated. And back in the day, they used to donate some to the workers. Now yeah. this opens up a it opens up a real problem though, because you know, you might be stocking the fresh meat and you're like, damn, this steak looks delicious. Now I'm gonna hide it back here. Oh. And then, oh, this one's going bad. Hey, supervisor, can I take this one home? And so that's that's why most of these places have the the hard black and white rules, like you can't take anything home because people will take advantage of it unfortunately oh, man so I, I back in my early days i ran a salmon hatchery you know fish and uh, that's what we'd do we'd see just a real pretty one and say okay i'm taking this puppy home yeah you know it it it, it didn't go with the rest of the fish no. so clifton you mentioned you worked out prior to uh you know our recording today and i was stalking you a bit out there on the, the internet and i saw you doing a turkish get up with a young lady in your hand Versus yeah. a kettlebell. Yeah. <laughs> was that part of your workout today? That was not part of my workout today. That that little pony trick has been retired for a couple of years here. I tried it with my wife on July 4th and uh and she was like, You used to be able to do this with me. And I was like, damn it. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> that yeah. could go really sideways. I know. So she said she'd been bulking. And I was like, Well, you're very strong. She competes on Ninja Warrior. She's much cooler than I am. Oh, nice. Wow. Well, we'll have to have her on next. So so Clifton, you know, you mentioned that you kind of came into the field with uh, doing yoga and Pilates and CrossFit, and then you've taught MoveNat, Animal Flow, PPSC, kettlebells, et cetera. How has this, this variety shaped your personal fitness philosophy personally for your training? And then how, you know, what suggestions would you have for others uh, in their fitness philosophies having experienced what you have? I think it really helps the perspective that everything can work. And it may not, it doesn't mean everything is perfect for every individual goal, but it means that it's a phenomenal um, situation for our consumers in that they are always going to be able to find something that they enjoy. And what this should, I think, help trainers understand is that they can have a network, they can expand their educational toolbox to include include more systems and styles so they can help more people. Unfortunately, you know, fitness is just like everything out there. We kind of get pigeonholed, at, you know, like we say at the PPSC, hey, we're not the kettlebell guy. We're not the Pilates guy. We're not the yoga guy. I'm not the corrective exercise guy. We're the pain-free guys. I don't care what tool you use or what exercises you do. There are certain exercise categories that we think you need a squat, for example, but whether it's a barbell squat or a kettlebell squat or a dumbbell squat or a machine squat, like I don't care. They all load the legs. 
Yes, some you can load heavier, but some are not going to be appropriate for people's injury, workout history, specific body type, uh, experiences, ed, you know, fitness, age, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so that that background has just given me a much more open-minded approach to what we can do with people. Um, you know, you get so, so often you'll you, you decide to give somebody a single goblet squat for high reps. And like, that's not squatting. It has to be under 10 with a barbell. Otherwise it's not squatting. And I'm, I'm looking at him like, that is so ignorant. <laughs> that is such yeah. an ignorant statement. Um, and it's, and unfortunately it's very exclusionary as well, because if we have this like go hard, go home type of attitude where we're holier than thou, man, we're just going to scare off more people. And there's more people that need to be with us. Yeah, I agree. And that's why when I first found out what you guys teach in the PPSC, I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. Um, And it's something that we've actually incorporated into the way that we teach our material as far as the movement patterns, because it just makes so much sense. And it makes exercise selection so much easier because there's a million ways to do all of those movement patterns and none of them is right. None of them is wrong. It's what's appropriate. And I think you make a great point there. And we're always talking to our students about ways that they can get involved in the fitness industry. I think you're a phenomenal example of that. How you might have started off, you know, training friends and you know people for basketball, and then you got into it and started working for you know a gym, and then you've kind of moved into the education space. What inspired you to take this role after all the experience that you had? What inspired you to take this role as the COO with the pain-free performance specialist certification? It was really a growth opportunity. Um, so John, who runs it is the owner of PPSC, but he runs a couple of different companies, John Russin. Mm-hmm. Um, he came and took a class that I was teaching at Fitwall in La Jolla in 2014. And from that moment, the magic of the internet, we kind of just stayed in contact. He was like, that dude ran a really good class. He jumps around like a cat, moves <laughs> well, uh, found out that I have shenanigans on my online uh, platforms. And we just stayed in contact and tried getting some some ability to work together at some point. And then finally, he came and took an animal flow cert that I was teaching. It was near his house. We He shared with me that he had this vision to turn his workshop series that he had been hired by a couple of different individual um, gyms and, and conferences to present on that he wanted to turn it into a certification and asked if I would come and teach it. And I said, no. I don't, <laughs> I don't have the weekends. I'm teaching a kettlebell cert every weekend, an animal flow cert every month, excuse me. And I have seven facilities that I'm running and a fresh kid at home with another basically on the way. I, I can't do it. And then I, he said, well, come see it. I went and saw it. I said, damn it. The education is good. And this is a good opportunity. I'm not in the business of turning down excellent opportunities that other people would love to have. And so I happily did it. I took the material. I adjusted the way that we did things at Fitwall because I will always steal what's better than what I'm doing. That's sure. the reason to go do all the other stuff because you will just learn that, oh, I thought I was good at things. And it turns out I'm terrible at all these other things. Here's opportunity. Um, and so I was teaching that. And unfortunately, as you know, I don't know if you guys have heard of COVID, uh, but that really hit number <laughs> on California gyms. So yeah. our gyms closed. I was... Uh, fortunate enough for John to say, Hey, well, you can come here and work full time. That gave me the opportunity with my family to move us from California to St. Louis, where houses are roughly 50% of yeah. the price. <laughs> we moved here a year ago. And that, that this position 
I started as director of education. That quickly just turned into the COO. We just changed titles so we could bring in another really talented individual, um, Logan Dubay, to be the director of education because part of what I wanted us to do is expand what we offered. We started only with the pain-free performance specialist certification, which is a mouthful and congrats, you said it right to begin with. Um, the short version is PPSC, which just sounds like I'm stuttering. And <laughs> uh, what we what we quickly found out we needed to do was we had this great I- influx of people coming to in-person certifications because we never stopped doing those at all, uh, maybe like for one month. And once you have them there, they're asking us for more information. So quickly, we realized there's an opportunity here that they want to dive deeper, given our perspective on how we look at exercise and movement for people. And so we created additional opportunities with a level two or programming online cert. We have a mobility cert that launches next week. Um, we teach a kettlebell cert because in all of these things, we're not trying to recreate what's already out there. As an example, kettlebell training. There's some very good certifications that teach what's called hard style kettlebell, strong first and RKC, roughly the same thing. Um, and we just do it very differently than them. That's not to say that theirs is wrong or ours is wrong. It's that they're different. And the thing that I want from all of our certs is that we give our coaches that take it the ability to help more people quicker and more successfully. Nice. So let's switch gears a little bit here, Clifton. Uh, Entrepreneur hat, which not all folks have that hat. By the way, it's hat day here at ISSA today. We, I'm not going to give it away. Well, actually, Jenny's on my team. So we were in tinfoil hats this morning. But uh, yeah, it's hat day today. Let's talk about aliens lately. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of talk about aliens. But being that you have have the ability, you own it, you put it on, and you started small group training uh, company and franchised it which is a huge undertaking. Mm-hmm. Can you share with our listeners kind of what that process was and what some of the, the challenges were and how you overcame them? We've got another ISSA rapid review for you. Elvin had this to say about our certified personal training course. It's easy to read and I used the guided study to pace me through what I was going through. And this was a game changer for me. Thanks, Alvin. Sure. So uh, I'll tackle this in two different ways. Because when we started it out, it was small group versus semi-private. We added semi-private so that uh, a couple of years in. And so the challenge there was for us specifically, we were using a different piece of fitness equipment that nobody had ever seen before. And if you, on your background, you've got ladders behind you. For all intents and purposes, the fit wall looks like a ladder on the wall. Now, familiar to some people is in the gymnastics arena. You've got what are called stall bars or gladiator uh, wall. And those are poles or pipes or whatever you want to call them, bars that are lined up. Ours, you can't, it's not a bar. So your toes butt up against the edge and you're, you're gripping it differently. It's hard to visualize, but this is the issue. People came in and they're looking like, are those like internet servers? What is going <laughs> on in here? Like, what do you do at Fitwall? So the biggest challenge we had right out of the gate was new stuff is scary to people. Stuff that they don't visually recognize or understand is immediately intimidating because it's like, what in the world is this? So we had to overcome 
this immediate issue of people going, nah, nah, I'm not hanging on a wall because for 40 minutes, hanging on a wall sounds like rock climbing. I'm not going to come in. So we had to cons- put our thinker hat on. How do we how do we market this? And the thing that actually ended up working out the best is the videos that I would put out would say, fit wall, or what is fit wall? Hint, it's not rock climbing. And then all <laughs> like the first 10 seconds of a 15 second clip would be people on the floor doing more familiar things so that people are like, oh, they, they're exercising. And occasionally they're hanging on the wall here. Our biggest challenge was just being a completely out of left field concept. You're going to get your mavens and your leaders that want to do the new stuff, but the lemmings that is most of the earth is going to take them a good period of time to, to understand there's proof that the thing works, that it's okay to be, to stand out and then go to it. And that took a couple of years. It also took marketing dollars, which we did not throw at it for the first three years, which made yeah. it very difficult to grow. The, the other challenge we solved a lot of semi-private and small group challenges right out of the gate because we had we had the good fortune of being well-funded immediately with the intention that this was going to grow to be a multi-unit franchise. It actually, in my opinion, underperformed due to fairly poor ownership managerial decision-making on what things were being spent money on, to be perfectly honest. Um, and so what we had was... Everything that I developed was I need my guy that's 19 years old on a Sunday morning coming in hungover to be able to operate this and recreate as good an experience as me teaching it here in San Diego. And so the way we did that is we built our own heart rate monitoring system. We built our own video system. Um, Everything is delivered so that the coach literally just has to show up, read. It looks like the PTI or CNN or ESPN where it tells you everything that's coming up with the seconds. Oh, yeah. And it's just this additional, um, it's a second coach, honestly. Like most of the video systems that are out in the industry, it's just the video and that's cool. That's helpful. But it's not as helpful as setting people up with auditory cues of like when you switch sides, how much time is left, what's coming up next, what the alternative is. Um, We even built it in where the audio would plunge 40% or go down 40%. Who uses the word plunge? 40% lower so that I, as a coach, didn't have to wear a mic. I never had to worry about the mics going out. I didn't have to worry about yelling and losing my voice. When the sets start, the volume would go back up. Um, I actually scored every single workout so that when the set started, the beat would drop or the verse would start, which has ruined workouts for me now because if I'm somewhere <laughs> and they're like, start on the run, I'm like, the beat hasn't dropped yet. What are we doing? <laughs> um so we just had this very immersive experience that was very, very cool and unlike anything else that I've seen out there. But it was very difficult to overcome the, hey, what in the world is this thing? Yeah. And I think that's a, a challenge for most businesses, especially when it's something that's novel, to your point, something that people have never seen before, or probably never even thought about trying for fitness um, and or any product um, is, yeah, getting that awareness out there. So this is what it is and this is what it can do for you. But I'm sure once people figured out what it was, they were like, oh, this is actually really fun and they really enjoyed it. Once once they got in there and one for the, the number one bit of feedback was this is harder than I thought it was going to be. And that mm-hmm. wasn't my goal. It was just that we had a 40 minute class so that meant I couldn't spend too much time screwing around with, you know, long rest periods. Uh, we still rested more than most group fitness does. I had every single workout. We had 
six or seven one minute recovery periods plus the coaching periods. So yeah. in those, everybody did the same thing at the same time, which makes it easier to manage a, a room. Um, but we would we would record their heart rate recovery in that one minute period, knowing that if it's a low number that is indicative of poor cardiovascular fitness and showing them over months that when you got here, your heart could only recover eight minutes, eight beats in a minute, no good. Now it drops 38 in a minute great. You are significantly fitter. And it was a nice way to just be able to show this. And I say that because heart remodeling is pretty like, it's a thing that a lot of people want to do. Yeah. And, it, and when people do it, it's useless to be perfectly honest. They're just like, here's what your average heart rate was during your workout when you lifted weights. And it, it's like, that doesn't mean anything at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Agreed. So we, we, we custom built ours to make it mean something, which was kind of nice. Cool. Yeah. So speaking of having something novel or a really interesting product, by the way, I love all the like the logistics of the workout that you're talking about. That's super cool because I came from like a background in group fitness with like Orange Theory. They have a great system, by the way, and phenomenal training for their coaches. Um, but they were kind of in the same way. They were trying to make it a cool experience. Yeah. But you've observed a ton in the last 20 years as far as the changes in this industry, what people are focused on, all these doggone devices. I'm holding up all of mine, right? How is um, like, what have you seen? What are some of the biggest trends that you've seen over the last 20 20 years and what's been the significant impact on fitness professionals, whether it's yourself or other people that you've seen working in the industry. So man, for a while there, this would have been like 2000. So 2007, eight, nine is when CrossFit started to make an impact, which was a, a very net positive. Anyone that says differently is just got their head up there, but all right. Like it, it made a net positive impact in that people were touching more barbells, free weights, and doing more compound lifts, which I think everybody could agree is good. And that probably crescendoed or peaked in 2013-14. And since 2014, they've been on a slightly downhill maneuver in popularity. So that brought in all these barbell lifts. That led into this crescendo of powerlifting in, in interest and the powerlifting community um, is is great like there's wonderful parts to all of these different communities but that started to be the dominant thing like hey if you don't lift heavy ass weights what you're doing is a waste of time and that's also incorrect right like in the in the 80s it was like hey do a, i wasn't i didn't pay attention to the 80s right but like theoretically <laughs> it was just a bunch of jogging and endurance cardio that yeah. got replaced with a bunch of bodybuilding. Bodybuilding got replaced with a bunch of functional training. Functional training got replaced with a bunch more like lift heavier weights, CrossFit. That went into powerlifting. Powerlifting seems to be going back to bodybuilding a little bit and more steady state cardio. Like we're we're just coming back to maybe a balance of lifting some weights and doing some cardio is a good enough thing. And I don't need to be a specialist. And that's really what we're singing. It, uh, our song is lift weights. Strength is the priority and mobility and cardio. And yes, you can do all these things concurrently. Like you don't have to worry about the mm -hmm. interference effect. Don't make things too complicated. People were strong and fit for a really long time before we started telling people that specificity is the only thing that matters. Yes, it matters, but it's not the only thing that matters. And so I think the trend now is to, to help people understand that health and longevity, this is our big message. Like we want, we think that what we do is health care, not one word, because that's medical, but health care preventatively. 
what we are doing with people, we touch more people's health outcomes than doctors do because we're hitting them before they have to try to fix things. So we have this huge, massive opportunity of touching people's lives two, three, four, five times a week before they become ill. Whereas doctors are like, oh, you're already out of luck. Mm -hmm. Let me see if I can help you. And it's been really disheartening to see all these camps that I mentioned, CrossFit, bodybuilding, uh, the exercise pub med nerds and et cetera, et cetera, that are just arguing over the stupidest minutia that doesn't really matter. <laughs> like all we need to do is get these people in, have them lift some weights at some reps for some poundage and get their heart rate up for some prolonged period of time in a way that they enjoy. And we're going to help them out so long for forever. We call these people like they should be our forever client. The forever client just needs to be a little stronger, mobile and fitter. And we can we can help them out in so many different ways, but let's let them enjoy their experience instead of being condescending trainer uh, to the stars. Yeah, and I agree. I think that last point you made is really big for the industry right now. That should, it should be. And it kind of is where I've seen it going, where people are more focused on like, hey, let's just get this person doing something, right? Even if we just go out back and play Frisbee or let's go walk your dog for 30 minutes, right? It doesn't yes. have to be something specific. You don't have to go do CrossFit. You don't have to go do this type of training. Um, it's whatever works for that person and whatever's going to get them moving more to be a preventative healthcare option for them. Um, so they don't get into the point where they need help or intervention, essentially. So I love That's that. I would agree with that. Yeah, it's really cool to see that happening. And I, I think it's like Fitwall as an example. I just stole all the things that I could with different tools and had one big cohesive program. And you know, if, if you as a personal trainer have multiple things that you know how to do, you can create a better, more well-balanced program that keeps people entertained and interactive for longer with you. Very well said. I see a really powerful, I don't know if you call it a video bite, like a sound bite. If it's called a video bite that we need to pull out because you were preaching it. I just wanted to drop a <laughs> microphone. Just get out there and move. Do what's right for you. So a uh, question for you. I saw in your bio, Clifton, that you've taught, you know, and you mentioned earlier, 450 certification courses all over the world, which you've been exposed to, you know, different philosophies different personalities, different cultures. And what have you experienced out there that that really, you know, created what you would believe to be diverse perspectives, right? So different from your own. And how did you adapt not only to be able to communicate and educate those cultures, but how did you uh, bring it back to the way you communicate and educate our domestic trainers? Now I'll be fair. I hadn't. I have not taught overseas as much as I would be comfortable saying. Now with the online stuff, I do get people from all over the world, and generally, kind of what I see are Aussie friends seem to be very on the evidence based. And I say this almost quotation mark because the so much of the evidence that people point to is just weak ass evidence. It's six college kids that have never lifted weights. And we're like, see, this is how you need to get your sets and reps. I'm like, cool. Um, so that Aussie seems very evidence-based. I don't know anything about South America. Uh, so I can't comment on South America though. I, I imagine that's a phenomenal market to be trying to get into. So maybe I need to get the babble and get my Spanish going. Uh, <laughs> Europe 
is simultaneously seems to be behind. And let's, let's just get it clear. Like the United States sets the trends for the rest of the world. And most of the world is a couple of years behind on what is trending. Whether that means it's the best is up for debate, but they're typically a couple of years behind what is trending. And so things like the group fitness models and uh, pop fitness, other countries are behind us. But in terms of SNC research and sports research, a lot of times they're doing phenomenal work. Um, so it's been very interesting going to Europe because I'll have a room that's split right down the middle. I'm like, you eight people over here are challenging me as much as I've been challenged, not just because I can't understand you, but like also because you're asking phenomenally intelligent questions that are sm way smarter than my knucklehead can, can handle. And then the rest of them, you know, they've never heard the word corrective exercise. And I don't mean that negatively. It's just not a thing. Like that is a yeah. fairly distinct United States thing that we made really big for a while there. That is definitely falling to the wayside as well. Yeah, well, that's a great point that you're making though, because you have to consider like the US is one of the, if not the most unhealthy country in the world, right? So uh, other people don't have this issue. So corrective exercise may not be a thing over there because uh, they yeah. don't have the same issues. They don't sit as much as we do. And like John Bauer likes to say, love him to death for this one. Uh, if you sit all the time, you're going to get really good at sitting. Yeah. <laughs> well, most people don't sit as much as we do, right? Most people don't do the the weird, I won't say dumb, but the weird things that we do here in the US. So yeah, yeah. it's very different for sure. Um, it's interesting to see the different perspectives. And isn't Eric Helms out in Australia and New Zealand? I think that's where he's based out of because we had it. Um, we've talked about him on the podcast and I listened to his podcast. And I'm pretty sure that's where he's at. And he was on here. So, um, but yeah, so yeah, they're very much evidence-based and the science is, is different what they're looking at down there. Um, and I love that. I love that there's so much science down there and it definitely travels. It travels around the world and it informs people's decisions. People like yourself, who, whether it's with FitWall, whether it's with in your role with the PPSC, like you guys can actually implement some of that stuff. Curious, before we end today, is there any research that you've come across over the last 20 years that you were like, wow, this is really cool research. Let me learn more about this. And how can I put this into what I'm doing? You kind of said there was, but. It's a good question. Um, I think it's it, basically, this is, I, I wouldn't be able to quote like the author or the journal or, or anything like this. Yeah. Looking at how effective supersets are for working out and gaining muscle plus other benefits of, you know, a little bit better cardiorespiratory fitness because you have less total rest, how it's not that far off from straight sets is very interesting to me because I think from an enjoyment perspective and an efficacy or efficiency of time perspective, using supersets, I don't know why anyone would do straight sets unless you are getting paid money to max out every half a percentage of potential benefit, I would never be picking straight sets for people. Uh, yeah. That's a, a personal thing. But again, like the logistics of, can I can I uh, deliver a enjoyable session so this person signs up with me for the next six years is where my head is at in addition to their progress and their results. Like when people say, well, I'm a results guy. I'm like, that should be a given. If you have yeah, to say right? your results guy, that just tells me that you're boring and you have no creativity. <laughs> so there's multiple ways to get results. So that would be one. And then the other one is this, um, the, the percentage additional potential gains that people get on a third set and a fourth set and a fifth set relative to just doing two 
is not that much higher. I mm-hmm. think, right? If you get two hard sets, that doing a third hard set can give you a little more, but it's not that meaningful. And the reason I think this is important is most of our clients train two days a week, 1.8 or something like this for personal training. And if I can give them two hard things, two hard sets on one exercise, I can get to new or other exercisers faster. Mm -hmm. So I can have more total types of challenge within my two sessions with them because I'm only doing two hard sets. And I think that's important because it allows us to train more ranges of motion, more segments of muscle, because there aren't like upper pec, lower pec, et cetera. Um, you can ch- just think about the delts, right? They, you can challenge them all differently. So if you only did three sets of front raises or you did four sets of of two each types of shoulder raises, like which one is, is more holistically growing this individual? So I think those would be my two takeaways. Use supersets. And if you can get your clients to actually give you hard effort in two sets, two sets can be enough so long as it's a simple exercise and it's not too complicated. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I there's a lot of research out there about, about less is more. Um, so I love that. And the big key though, is this is for like the average person. If you the have average specific person. goals or something like that, don't freak. Somebody out there is like yelling at their stereo right now, yelling and throwing yes. things. Calm yeah. down. It's like general population, (laughs) the average person who maybe doesn't have a specific goal. But if you have a specific goal, then yeah, your training and your nutrition and everything should be a whole lot more specific. Exactly. Um, But I love that. Very nice. I love the science. So I love to see what's going on out there. Um, Clifton, where can our listeners find you if they want to follow you and look up your shenanigans? Because I now need to go find this Turkish getup with the lady in your hand. Um, And where can they learn more about the PPSC and what your role is? So my... My best place is Instagram at Clifton Harsky, just one word. And then our PPSC, it's at pain-free training, one word. Perfect. Um, the pain-free training that has offshoots of our Rehab Stronger course that's for physical therapists and chiros. It has an off, offshoot for our functional kettlebell training, which is our kettlebell cert that, that, I, that I was fortunate enough to be able to create and have a lot of fun with. My page is predominantly kettlebell stuff because we're we're using it to push the kettlebell program. Um, it used to be a lot more shenanigans. If you want to see, I don't know, roughly a dozen ladies lifted in Turkish getup, YouTube, me and Turkish getup, and they're just random humans around the earth that get picked up uh, mostly between 2010 and 2018. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Very nice. Well, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being on with us. This is super fun. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Absolutely. And Dan, any takeaways, any last words for our listeners today? Always, Jenny, always. Uh, Again, uh, echoing, uh, thank you, Clifton, for joining us today. But my takeaway and what I want the listeners to to really hone in on, and that's that video bite I was talking about, is everything can work. Clifton mentioned that early on. The exercise for you is the one you'll do. We live in, you know, and in, in, we work in an industry where how many times have we heard what's the best kind of training for fill in the blank or what's the best exercise for fill in the blank? The possibilities are endless. The exercise for you is the one you'll do. Apply some fundamental strength training principles to that movement and you're on your way. Love it, Dan. 
Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway is that Clifton, you have so much experience in so many different things, like a huge variety of what you have done over the last 20 years. Um, And guys, notice that none of it is, it's all related, of course, because it's health and fitness and it's movement, but they're all so different, right? Animal flow is so different from kettlebell. BBSC is very different from FitWall, right? It's yoga is different than all of it. Like it's all different. And what he was saying earlier about how he applied this with himself when he first got started, he tried all these things and said, how does this make my basketball? Does this make me better? Does it make me move better? Does it make me jump higher? Right? All of these things can benefit us in certain ways. So don't limit yourself to one style of training. Um, try, like Dan was just saying, movement can be anything you want it to be, whatever you're going to do consistently, but try different things. Um, get outside your comfort zone. If you've never gone to a Pilates class or a CrossFit class or something, go. I tell people all the time in boot camp, like go find a Groupon or go ask for a free class. No asking, no giddy, right? And ask, hey, can I come in? You know, spend, spend the 10 bucks and go to this little guest pass at this new gym. Try it out. You might find that you find something that you really, really enjoy and that makes you feel good. And that's what matters. So I love that. But thank you again, Clifton. This has been super great. Thank you. Um, so we encourage you guys go out there, do all of the things, try new things, um, and maybe check out the PPSC. I'm going to be there. If you guys go to the Phoenix one, eventually I'm going to be there. So hopefully I'll see you guys there. And as always, we encourage you to make good choices. We'll be talking to you soon.